wolves are monogamous mated pairs usually remaining together for life. Should one of the pair die, another mate is found quickly. But I did everything you asked me to do. What else do you want from me? There's nothing more you can do. But why is nothing ever good enough? Why are you doing this? We have a family. Our daughter asked us to work it out. She challenged us to be better people. Why won't you work with me? You know, Eric, you always ask why instead of just accepting what's happening. You're always a day late and a dollar short. You're always wrong and strong, wrong and strong. That's what you are. You're always the victim and you're never wrong, never wrong. You stay playing the martyr, just like your mother. I'm in a loveless, sexless marriage with you. I don't even want to kiss you. It's not working. I just want to move on with my life, not look back, and move on without you. Yo, you can't even look at me when I'm talking to you? The dishes are more important than me? More important than what I'm talking about? She wore a pink dress. All I wanted was for her to be willing to try. All I wanted was for her to let me come up behind her and kiss her on the back of the neck like I used to when we first met. When we were in love, when all was good, when all was great. Now, I stood behind her, pleading with her, leaning against the island in the kitchen, and she wouldn't even turn around to talk to me. Only thing was, she was washing dishes where the range was. I looked over to where the sink was in our kitchen, and it was right where it was supposed to be. So if she's standing, how is she washing dishes at the oven? Wait, this isn't real. How is this happening? I'm not married to you. Why am I still here listening to this bullshit? I am so tired of hearing about what I was and what I wasn't and everything being an accusation and you not doing a damn thing to try to work things out. This ain't no toy. This is us. I have a heart and you don't give a shit. So shut the fuck up. I don't have to hear this anymore. And just like that, my eyes were open and I saw nothing but the darkness of my bedroom. I was there alone, thank God. Alone in my bed. The one I bought on my own that put me to sleep the second I laid down on the pillow top mattress. And not that stiff ass one I used to toss and turn on when I was married. When I was first divorced, the guilt of the whole thing didn't allow me to sleep. This was different. Now she was all in my dreams. Yo, this chick has me all messed up. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, I need therapy. Jesus, I don't know. Whatever the case may be, this woman is gone. But she's still there. And now she's in my dreams. She wasn't gone. She was actually always just as far as a text message. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree in getting cursed out, his second master's in getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTac beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. 
The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. There was a woman that I used to work with, a very nice lady, younger than me. At this point, everyone was beginning to become younger than me, at least in the circles that I traveled in. But getting back to the lady, somebody I used to work with when I worked at a marketing agency, and we had gotten in the habit of having lunch together. It wasn't one of those things where something was going to come of it. I think that she liked me. I wasn't sure if I liked her, but I did enjoy her company. I enjoyed the infrequent lunches we had. Where I used to work and where I currently worked were maybe about two miles apart from each other. So it was very easy to connect and get food and talk and build and make plans for the next time because it was convenient. We talked shop. We talked being black. We talked being having aspirations. We talked family. Like, I talked about my family, we talk, and she talked about hers. We didn't talk about having a family. We talked family. It was a burgeoning friendship. To this day, it is a friendship. So what did me and this young lady connect over? We connected over burgers. We went to a hoity-toity restaurant first and had some pretty fancy burgers. Actually, my favorite here in Atlanta. And then we started making our way around to different burger spots. Why? Because burgers are easy, because burgers are creative, and because burgers just happen to be my favorite food. Try to stay away from the beef these days, but either way, something about eating a hamburger just does it for me. And french fries. With that being said, we agreed to get together on a Thursday. It was a beautiful afternoon. The sun was shining bright. The air was warm on our faces. And, well, it was warm on mine. I don't know about hers, but it was warm on my face. And we went to the restaurant. We got online. We a la carte our burgers. So, you know, the thing about these burger joints is that you start out with a burger that costs like six bucks. And by the time you're done with it, it's upwards of like 15 to $20. I used my points because I was a card-carrying member of the restaurant. Told you I love burgers. Sat down and got our food. And we began our usual talk. Catching up, talking about life, complaining about work. Discussing all the nuances and intricacies and idiosyncrasies of being black in America. That was one of the things we talked about. However, what she didn't know was that the day before, my wife's new boyfriend introduced himself to me when I dropped my daughter off to her house. Now, the thing about it was that I knew this guy existed. One of the agreements that we had when we were divorcing is that if we ever met someone else and it looked like it was going to become serious, that we would let the other person know. Why? Because that person was going to be around our child. Now, I am a father of a girl, not the, you know, my son is 24. My, my son was 21 at the time, maybe 20, 20, 21. I don't remember, but my daughter was 10 years old and wasn't thinking the worst of the situation, but it's hard. You know, you as the girlfriend don't know this man. Men know men, but the thing is, is just, it's just a lack of control. So as a father, who can't put his child to bed on a daily basis. Now you got another dude that you just met up in the crib. And it's not like they were casually dating. He was up in the crib. He was practically living there. As far as I understood it from my, from my kids. And I knew this. But nobody was telling me this. Nobody meaning my ex-wife was telling me this. So on one random day. 
I drop her off and he got out of his car and approached me. Nice guy. Said, what's up? You know, knew who I was. And I looked at him. I, I sized him up. I looked him up and down and I realized I had changed because I'm a non-confrontational dude. But the, my eyebrow was was up and arched and I might have even like snarled a little bit. But, you know, he told me he had heard a lot about me. It was too long. He was sorry that we hadn't met sooner. And I told him I didn't know who he was at all. And although we had a great conversation, I mean, I had a good conversation with him. He put me at ease. Seemed like a good dude. We had a lot of similarities. Both of our fathers were dealing with strokes. You know, both of us were divorced. Both of us had young children. And he actually put me at ease, which was something that I appreciated. And it was growth because that was something that I had. That was a nightmare for me. The, the idea of meeting someone that was in my old house in potentially in my old, well, not potentially in my old bed and dealing with my child. That was a nightmare come true. The sidebar piece is back in the day, I was concerned about anybody being around my daughter. Now that she's a teenager, I feel sorry for anybody that has to be around her. Just saying. Anyone that has a teenage daughter knows exactly what I'm talking about. In any case, I met the dude. We had a good talk. He put me at ease. I actually thank God for the experience. I thank God that I was calm. And then my ex-wife the next day decides to chime in because she always texts me at noon. Never texts me in the evening. Always texts me at noon. I think because she was on her break. I think it was because she was at work. It was safe. I think it was one of those things where she could say whatever she wanted and then get off the phone because she had to go back to work. I think it was very strategic. I think it was very calculated. And because she did it, whenever she texts me, she only texts me between the hours of 12 and 1. It meant, for me, I deduced that it was being done intentionally. So she sends me a text. So the text read really light and happy, go lucky. And it went something like this. I'm really glad that you were able to meet such and such. It's been such a long time coming. You know, he mentioned that you all had talked about possibly connecting and talking more. So uh, here's his number. Feel free to reach out to him anytime you want. I looked at my phone and I was like, what the fuck? This coming from the person who kept him a secret. And when I say kept him a secret, I mean, did I know she had somebody? Sure. But did she honor the thing that she said that she said we should do when she was talking about all these lofty dreams of being divorced? Did she honor that? No. So. There's this thing called bait, B-A-I-T. Bait is what you use to trap your prey when you're a human. And whether it's a scent, whether it's, you know, camouflage, whatever you bait your prey. Satan, spiritual energy, negative spiritual energy, baits you to get you off your square. Now, I don't know. I don't think them. I didn't. At the time, I wasn't sure. I know for a fact now that my ex-wife is not evil. However, there were many instances where she threw out bait. And because I wasn't who I am now, and I'm not saying that patting myself on the back, but because I wasn't who I, was, I am now, and it would be several years before that happened. Well, actually three. When I saw bait, I was not wise enough, smart enough, nor strong enough to resist. So I see this text. And I was done. And I did something that I probably never did before. I went off. I mean, yeah, I've gone off before. Went off plenty of times. I mean, shoot, that's part of one of the reasons why we got divorced, because, you know. 
the arguing. However, I never went in. Went in meaning going in specifically on her and who she was and telling her in very plain English that I wanted no parts of her. So my response back to her before I went to lunch with this young lady was the conversation that I had with him ain't got nothing to do with you. So leave me alone. You had your chance to introduce me. You opted to not do that. Leave me alone. This ain't got nothing to do with you. The response I got back was, he's my man. I definitely have something to do with it. You want to fight? Yeah. I have seen him on Instagram in pictures with my daughter in the corner of the picture looking completely uncomfortable. I have seen him with you in our mutual friends on Instagram to the point that I couldn't even, I had to stop following them because I was tired of seeing it. You had plenty of opportunity to let me know. You ain't going to show up now and try and be a part of the party because he stepped up and did the right thing, the thing you never did. You wanted a gift-wrapped invitation? You wanted me to send you a paperless post that I had somebody? What I do with my time is none of your business. True. I don't care about your relationship. I don't give two shits. But I do care about who my daughter spends time with. But why can't you trust me? You don't trust my judgment? As a matter of fact, I don't. But it's not even about you and your judgment. It's about me not knowing the men that are around my young daughter. This went on and on and on and on and on. This poor woman who I was eating hamburgers with. This is how our lunch date went. Because it was a lunch date. This is how our lunch date went. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Give me one second. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Give me one second. Now, what were you saying? Give me one second. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now, what were you saying? That is the way the date went. I could not get off my phone. I was distracted. I was half eating my food. Burgers. And when I say burgers, burgers are like liquid gold for me. I was a terrible lunch date. I was a terrible friend. I was a terrible person to that woman. The phone should have been put down. It should have been picked up for a later time. The whole thing, to be perfectly honest with you, where I went wrong is that the first text should have been ignored. But in the idea that I had already engaged, I should have left well enough alone, at least until after lunch was over. But not only did I continue through lunch, we kept on fighting via text well past six o'clock in the evening. It was the stupidest thing ever and something that I have done my best to not repeat since it happened. I didn't hear from the young lady anymore after that. I didn't hear from her for quite some time. Matter of fact, it was about six months before I heard from her again. And actually, she heard from me. I reached out to her on her birthday and, you know, wished her a happy birthday. And she basically said, thanks. <laughs> I had to laugh because I knew what it was. I did apologize. I told her that I unfortunately that I was having a fight with my ex-wife about my child. And as a father, you know, I just. I lost it. She says she understood. But this was months later. I didn't own up to it immediately. I didn't call her immediately and apologize. I apologized when it was convenient for me. And I heard through the grapevine, through our mutual friends that we used to work together with, that 
She had a terrible time at lunch with me. The reality is that when you plan for peace, you have to prepare for war. And being prepared for war isn't about fighting. It is about being on offense. It is about flanking. Because your offense becomes your defense. Because if you're right with your, if you're correct with your offense, then when things come at you, your offense is your defense. So how could that scenario have played out differently? There was nothing that was going to stop me from meeting that dude. That was, that was etched in stone. That was etched in destiny. But when that text came through at 12 o'clock, I already knew that why the text came at the time that it did. I already knew that the text was sent to include oneself in something that had nothing to do with them. I already knew what it was. I accomplished nothing by telling her that I knew what her deal was because all she did was deny it and then make everything I said out to be me blowing things out of proportion, being sensitive, being emotionally unstable, and emotionally vomiting on her. The best offense sometimes is defense. Or the best defense is offense. Best offense is defense. And the best offense I could have done was to ignore that text. The best offense that anybody can do when a text message, when some bait comes floating along, you're living your best life, or at least trying, and the bait comes along, whether it's an ex-husband, an ex-wife, an old friend, a new friend, a boss, someone who cuts you off in traffic, the bait will come at the most inopportune time, right when you're getting ready to do something great, right when you're getting ready to do something regular, right when you're just getting ready to have a good day. And if you don't recognize it for what it is, and if you take that bait, your entire life will be turned upside down. Yeah, I started off by saying it was my ex-wife's intrusion with her text messages that was cause for all of this chaos. But I had to own that. The responsibility of not dealing or putting that to the side or waiting was mine. It was mine. If there wasn't anything that I should have done, what happened happened. But what I could have done was rather than react to the, the obvious signs, I could have observed them. I could have been patient with myself and not feel this need to have the last word and have the final say and ultimately, truthfully, thinking I could shut her up. All of those were base motives that did nothing but tear my day and tear that date, if you will, platonic date otherwise no matter what it was it was still a date something that someone else set themselves up to enjoy and I let someone who she doesn't even know ruin it and theoretic and, and in retrospect after that incident in retrospect I realized that that was happening all over the place in my life up until that point I didn't know what to do but I was going to have to get it together real quick because no woman worth her salt was going to want to be with me because they could very clearly, any woman that was worth her salt, any woman that knows her value understands what space is. And any woman that's worth their value understands if can see clearly whether someone has space for them, just like I can see if someone has space for me, just like I know now whether I have space for people in my life or not. And if you are broadcasting, literally broadcasting that you got drama, that you got issues that you don't have space for. So I don't know, like feelings, forget feelings, forget how the good this person makes you feel, forget how, how nice their voice is, forget how sexy they look, forget what they look like. If they are coming 
with a full cup. I'm not talking about if they are coming with a full cup. I'm not talking about being whole. If they are coming with a full cup so that you can't pour into them because there's someone else already, someone else previously there still pouring into their cup. They may entertain you in a conversation to assess your dumb behind, but then they're moving on. So what I had to come to understand in this dating thing is that I was just as much to blame for my drama and I was just as much to blame for my single status when it came to women who knew their value. I am so happy to introduce to you all DatingAfterDivorceSoundtrack.com the official website of music that either inspired or was actually playing during many of the moments shared here on this podcast. There, you'll find playlists for each episode of Season 2 and the full Season 1 soundtrack. DatingAfterDivorceSoundtrack.com Check out the show notes for the link. Newsroom reporter lady was fun. She was funny. She spoke multiple languages. She was goofy with a laugh that could go from a snicker to a bellow on a dime. She always wore dresses and heels when we went out. This had a whole lot of nothing to do with me and everything to do with never wanting to be recognized while slumming it, or the fear of it anyway. But in truth, she actually did tell me that she preferred dresses and heels to any other form of fashion. I enjoyed listening to her stories of traveling to visit family in the UK and her vacations around the world. On the flip, I was pretty horrified by the stories she was assigned on the news. Um, they were miserable. It was a lot of death and dying, a lot of violence. But she didn't mind. For her, it was her assignment, her destiny, like what she was made to do. And she did it with charm. She did it with class. I mean, I was very, very, very impressed just, just because. I marveled at how relaxed and smooth and almost hypnotic her voice was. So much so that sometimes... I didn't even hear what she said because I was getting distracted by her voice. But then it also bugged me out how when she was on the news, she didn't sound, her voice was still low. I still kind of knew it was her, but she sounded different. She had that very important news to report right now because it's extremely important to report the news at this moment. Something that they do with their chin. Uh, some of the news people that I've met, they somehow figure out how to keep their natural slang inside their mouths it's the weirdest thing to watch if you know how they sound in real life versus how they sound on tv the first time we met up we did park stuff i mean i cleared it with her girlfriend her girlfriend says she had no problem with it and we did park stuff what is park stuff i picked her up and i took her to the park and we walked and sat down and walked and sat down and walked and sat down and walked and sat down for the whole day and it was on this first time that we met up that I shared my intentions, my plans for the future, or better said, my, my dreams. The dream was, I want to get married again, probably in the next year or so, have two or three kids, and keep it moving. You know, by then, I'll be like 49, 50-ish, whatever, and, you know, I'll be able to be, I don't know, 70, <laughs> 75, planned on being spry. I could still be that with my kids while they're in their 20s. And when they're 40 or whatever, I'll be 90. But it's all good. I mean, they will have lived enough life. I'm a guy who 
all my grandparents were gone before I hit high school. Well, except for one. My parents are still here, but I know folks that still go visit their grandma and they either my age or older, which is just incredible to me. Anyway, she laughed so hard at the suggestion of having two to three kids. I mean, she's almost started crying. She actually did start crying and she had she put her her index finger to the corners of her eyes to catch the tears to keep her mascara from running. And this is what she said. You're crazy. I remember that word stuck out for me. Crazy. How do you expect to do that? I was like, so, uh, I mean, it's kind of simple, you know, um, fall in love and get married and make babies. All right, Eric. Well, here's a better question. Who do you expect to do this with? This would be the first of many times when I shared, you know, what I kind of wanted to do post-divorce with someone of the opposite sex and actually both sexes, but predominantly the opposite sex. And they either told me I was loony or their reaction was so ridiculous that they made me feel like I was saying something crazy. Her plan was to get more established in her career, get a house and kind of live a little bit more before she did all that. She was 30. I was 46. She had time. And at the time, I didn't believe I did have time. And, you know, she liked me. I mean, I, she was hanging out with me. She didn't care about the age difference. You know, I didn't I don't skew old. You know, I'm a guy who can still tuck my shirts in. So, you know, she was there for a reason. But it always it, it, it hurt a little bit. And admittedly, it always hurt me and still does to this day when a woman tells me what she wants. In contrast to what I want. It's not about imposing on her. Even though that's exactly almost always 100% of the time the way that it's taken. But what it really boils down to is I'm sharing what I'm sharing. Because I'm thinking about possibly sharing that experience with you. That's why I'm saying that. So when you poo-poo laugh or what? When you laugh. So when you laugh at my stuff you're basically poo-pooing something that I want to do potentially with you because I wouldn't even be saying it if I didn't want to do it with you but this was the very thing that my friend warned me against doing when it came to taking things too fast but aside from all that I wanted her I wanted her real bad but at the same time I didn't because I was still very torn between being abstinent and being grown grown and just doing whatever I wanted so after our dates, you know, I was figured eh, maybe we'll go like two, three months and then we'll see. I'll see how I feel then. So after our dates, we kissed heavily at her door and I took my happy behind home. I didn't, I didn't want to mess things up with sex. I just didn't. And she caught on to that. She kind of was like, whatever. But she thought it was hot that that's what I wanted to do. And when I say that, I'm not like I'm not saying that to downplay it. I'm genuinely saying she was open, but she was cool. She was impressed and liked the idea that I wanted us to develop a little bit more. So I hadn't yet mastered the art of getting places on time. And because me and my ex were perpetually late to everything, I had actually developed the ideology that it was okay to be late. You know, maybe by a few minutes. And for me, a few minutes was maybe 15 minutes. And if I called ahead... You know, it should be okay because I called ahead. I learned to call close to the time I was supposed to be somewhere 
but not too far in advance because if I did, I felt like it was gonna, it was making me sound like I planned to be late in advance because I probably was planning to be late in advance. And this wasn't because I wasn't interested in wherever I was going, but because my clothes didn't fit right, because I was having a bad day, because, you know, there was something around the house that I wanted to do, or I convinced myself I had to do it. I always had an excuse, but that didn't change the reality of the situation. I didn't respect nobody else's time. I didn't respect the person enough to show up on time. Some women ghosted me after I showed up late. Others kept coming back for more because they were worse than I was when it came to time. But newsroom reporter lady, she was different. She called me on my mess. Newsroom reporter lady and I were supposed to be going to see Wonder Woman, the one starring Gal Gadot. I was on my usual, running late trying to find something nice to wear, which was becoming an ongoing issue for me. And believe it or not, there's plenty of men out there that actually care about their appearance when they're going out with a lady. So I'm driving. I leave late. I'm driving to her place. The GPS, I didn't even put the GPS on. I said, oh, I'll figure it out. That was my mistake. I said, I'll figure it out. I think I remember how to get there. And I didn't exactly remember how to get there. And I started to get turned around while I was driving to get to her house. She lives well, a a significant distance across town. She's still inside of Atlanta, but lives a significant distance across town from me. And then I put myself in this conundrum because I was like, well, if I reach out to her in the time frame that I'm actually supposed to be arriving and say, what's your address? That's going to cause all kind of confusion. So I need to figure this out. I'm going to hit her up and say I'm running behind, but I had missed my exit. And coming back, you know, it was like hella traffic coming back. So I hit her up to say that I was running behind and there was no response at all. When I got to her apartment, I had crossed the 15 minute threshold and was more at 25 minutes late. I said, I'm here. I sent her a text. I'm here. She responds back. Park in the garage. I'll meet you down there. I was like, cool. So I pull into her garage waiting for her to come out and she's in sneakers and jeans and like a a long sleeve t-shirt and I kind of look and I said hmm that's kind of casual for her so then she tells me where to park and I said well why am I parking we we need to go she said yeah we need to go back and we need to go inside though so I park and I walk into her building with her go to her apartment say hello to her little dog and she kind of wanders around her place And I was like, all right, so, I mean, the movie starts at whatever time. I figured we'd get food afterwards. She said, yeah, but I wanted to eat first. And I was like, yeah, but I, you know, I was running behind because of traffic, which was technically true, but not really. And she, and she says, well, I already ate. And I said, but I thought that we were supposed to be going out. We were, but you were late. The plan was for you to be here at such and such time. You didn't come. So I'm, I, I made other plans. But you knew I was coming. It wasn't like I wasn't coming at all. You knew I was coming. But you didn't come when you said you were going to be here. 
So, because I value my time, I made other plans. At this point, I'm starting to get angry. And I'm because I'm standing there. She could have told me all this at the car. She didn't have to bring me into her apartment to lecture me. So, what do you want me to do? I ask. I mean, so am I just going home? I mean... She said, no, I don't, I don't want you to go home. I just don't have no interest in going to the movie anymore because this isn't the way the day was, but this isn't the way we were supposed to be going out. And I was like, but I don't understand if I'm running behind and I give you a heads up that I'm running behind. What's the big deal? Like, why can't we just go and try and salvage the moment? And I guess bottom line, I don't remember exactly what she said, but she didn't want to salvage anything. She just wanted to have a good time and she wanted to have the time that we had planned, that I had planned without, you know, buffoonery. She asked me to stay. I was really, really frustrated. So we go out on the balcony. I lean down on the bar and look out on the street below. Shake my head. And I mean, yeah, the, the the gravity of what I had done was sinking in, but I was the type of person, and I probably still am the type of person that still tries to make the most out of the moment, and I felt like she was killing the moment. But I wasn't willing to say anything because, I mean, I showed up late. I It, it, it registered. I showed up late. I didn't really have any platform to argue other than let's make the most of the time that we have. Her argument was... I don't believe in you messing up my time. So I stood there and I didn't say much. And she stood, she came up next to me and leaned over the balcony with me. You know, we both had our arms propped up on the balcony, our elbows propped up on the balcony. We're looking down below. And she says in that sexy, deep, hypnotic, Ghanaian accented voice, are you mad at me? No, I'm not mad at you. I sigh and just continue to look down the street. We're shoulder to shoulder. And I glance back over at her, and then I look back down at the street. And she says, do you want to kiss me? And I was like, kiss you? <laughs> like, where'd you get that from? She said, I just, the way you looked at me just now, it just seemed like you really wanted to kiss me. I mean, I do, but she pulls up closer to me and starts kissing me. And we kissed for a really long time out on that balcony. Didn't really understand what was going on and the idea that I kind of botched the date, but you know, she was making the most of it, I guess. I wound up staying over that night and that night we made love. I spent the rest of the weekend watching Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling on Netflix at her house. It would be the first time that I would ever stay overnight at someone else's house since being divorced. I would like to say that that was the last time I showed up late, but it wasn't.